What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here with another Data Protection Gumbo episode, and this one is titled 2021, The Year Digital Transformation Goes Viral. And to drop some knowledge for us today, I have Caitlin Halperty, Director of Artificial Intelligence Accelerator at IBM. And Caitlin, she brings 15 years of industry experience in data protection and business consulting, most recently setting up IBM's first global chief data office, and also partnering with clients globally to set up and expand their data offices. So Gumbo listeners, Caitlin discusses the differences between data ops and DevOps, details on how artificial intelligence is a key component to gathering analytics, and her view of the data protection industry from the lens of digital transformation. So sit back, relax, and pour up your favorite beverage while we get right into the episode. Caitlin, welcome to The Gumbo. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Really looking forward to it. All right. Now, as far as uh, having you on the show, Caitlin, I am really excited about you know where the conversation is going to go because I think we're going to get more into the data side of the house and we're going to talk things like AI and some data governance, etc. So really looking forward to getting into some of the questions. But first, let's talk a little bit about IBM's global chief data office, which is the GCDO. What's the purpose behind it? And why is it important for, let's say, our gumbo listeners to kind of understand some of the key drivers behind the GCDO? Sure. Thanks for the question. So my background is in statistics and organizational change management. As you mentioned, you know, really looking at how to take data and drive business value. Um, so I've been with IBM for uh, for some time now. And about five, six years ago, we started doing some research in the market. And we found that organizations that were investing in a centralized data office to really drive AI transformation, they were doing better. We were able to start to you know correlate that with financial outperformance. And at the heart and center of that work is really taking data and driving that for business value. So we stood up our first uh, chief data office in 2016. So we're just coming up on five years now. And it was really about um, taking ownership and responsibility for data and AI transformation for our enterprise internally. And in doing so, being very transparent with that blueprint and helping our clients and customers do the same within their organizations, whether that be small or large organization. Okay, great. So it's been around for about five years. So I guess you guys are hitting your stride now and you have the strategy and the plan down. And I guess everything is is moving forward because we're definitely living in a digital world and this entire digital transformation effort um, has, has only accelerated. So let's talk a little bit about data ops, so data operations. And I'm curious as to, I guess, why is it a top priority in the enterprise now and also maybe the use of more agile automated data management from your perspective? Yeah, great question. And you're right. We are, you know, now that we're coming on five years into the journey, um, we've got some experiences here and and absolutely started with that data strategy, built out the enterprise data platform. And then it was around delivering those AI use cases at scale, you know, integrating those into product. Um, we've taken a, a real a prioritization around our data ops, data operations approach. And I think, you know, a lot of folks are familiar with, with DevOps within their development organizations. 
and we have a, a good sense of what that entails. Um, what we're seeing is there's some similarities but important differences with data ops. So data ops really brings those best practices from, from, from DevOps, data management, data governance, brings it into a common framework and it, there's a, a real focus on a collaborative way of developing and maintaining data flows across you know, all your various stakeholders uh, on the technology as well as business side. And the, the benefits we're seeing from that data ops approach, um, there, there's a few that we've seen, you know, lower error rates, a, a true collaboration across teams as you get those data flows in place, uh, quality control, and that's where I think the role to play for you know, ongoing monitoring is so important, uh, fast cycle time, you know, delivering those data insights. So it's really um, taking those best practices from DevOps that had been applied in the application and software development world and using that uh, to deliver it and take data and drive that business value. Okay, great. So so it's like it's the, the merging of, let's say, taking a CI, CD pipeline and automation and, and taking the insights from that data and I guess maybe mapping that out and making that more actionable. Is that correct as far as what data ops is and how data ops and DevOps kind of merge together or the difference between the two? You're absolutely right. And we're, we've been using data ops in several areas, some of which you just referenced, you know, particularly around our data governance. So as we stood up our platform, um, we had a, a real focus on ensuring that we had the right governance policies around that data. We used some regulatory uh, pressures to, to take ownership of that, particularly around the GDPR readiness. That evolved then to be around data standards, you know, so taking that data approach there. Um, our data science models and detecting where there might be bias and how to, how to run that work. The preparation pipelines, you know, our teams were reporting that they were spending, I think many of us are well familiar, you know, all the time trying to cleanse and curate data. Um, and a lot of our data-driven projects were failing because of that. So taking uh, the, the time to get those pipelines ready, um, the reporting and dashboarding piece, and then the data creation so that as we started pulling in data that had you know, previously been disparate, housed in data silos, maybe at a business unit or functional area level, pulling that all together, you know, all of our stewards and analysts that were interacting with the, with the system were starting to be able to get to those insights much faster. And we saw real uptake in data quality. So I think there's an important piece around, you know, quality as well. Okay, great. And, you know, mo most of the Gumbo listeners are, you know, on the data protection, backup and recovery and, and storage side of the house. And we don't really have a lot of conversations around data ops and DevOps, but I think it's very valuable nowadays uh, just due to the pandemic and how, you know, the entire acceleration of digital transformation has played a, a key point in what customers are looking for now because data is king and data is oil. And I guess you use all these anal analogies around, you know, what data is today. But I guess what type of customers, I guess, from a size perspective, like small, medium, large customers, like what if, if they've never heard of data ops and is it is it primarily just a larger enterprise type company that would benefit from data ops or also would, would a small 
uh, and medium-sized company also benefit from it. One of my areas and scope of responsibilities has been to run our client-facing uh, data summits for the last several years. And so those are data practitioners that come together to surface you know, best practices. They tend to be uh, sit within a data office, analytics office, you know, maybe CIO or CTO on the technology office side. And I've been running those summit series externally for, you know, for several years now. And what I've seen is more and more of an interest in integrating those efforts, you know, and, and putting a focus on the data quality, the governance, so that wherever you sit within the organization, you can uh, make use of those insights and start to see that value. And, you know, what, I, what I've seen is, you know, I spend a lot of time with clients that represent large industry and enterprise across healthcare, retail, perhaps financial services, you know, banking, insurance. But, you know, I also sit here in Silicon Valley and so do a lot of work with smaller companies, smaller organizations, startups that have, you know, really um, cutting edge technology and incorporating and infusing that into the work. And, and I really see that both the large enterprise can make use of the data ops at scale and smaller companies can also use it because it has that inherent collaborative piece, you know, across the team. Um, and just to throw another wrinkle in, you know, we're starting to see more uh, folks talking about DevSecOps, you know, with the addition of the importance of security. And so as you're automating and streamlining application delivery, you're also looking at how do I integrate an application development, delivery and management. So I think there's, you know, really a role to play for backup recovery, you know, all those components, because without it, these data projects are going to fail. Mm, okay. Yeah. So DevSecOps. You know, that, that was actually an, another term that I've been privy to because I just moved into the IT automation space. So that's one of the personas that, that I've had to learn about right now, just in my current role. Um, as far as artificial intelligence is concerned, I, I know it's, it's really hot right now to kind of gather insights really quickly in an automated fashion because you take that that automated information and you take the intelligence of that system, let's say, and, you, and you're able to kind of let it go out and do all of the crunch work for you and capture all the information and then just kind of feed that back into a system. So it's really a key component nowadays, I guess, for analyzing data and also, you know, the mountain and tons and tons and tons of data that large enterprises are dealing with today. So how do you see AI being used, I guess, in the next couple of years? And what do you think its role will be, let's say, in, in smaller organizations? So I run our, um, we call it our artificial intelligence accelerator organization internally. That's the team I'm a part of um, that sits within our global chief data office. And what we're responsible for is identifying and deploying those AI use cases where we see the most value, scale those internally, and then integrate into our product. So hopefully, you know, our, our client customers, business partners can take advantage of those capabilities. And the way we see AI internally in a large enterprise is all areas of the of the business, all end-to-end -end processes are fair game to infuse AI across the workflows. So I've got projects going in partnership with our supply chain optimization teams, procurement, HR, our client 360 to ensure that we're uh, equipping our sales teams to better serve our clients. And so, you know, all of those end-to-end -end processes are, are fair game and there's an opportunity to infuse AI. And we really see it as white box approach. You know, we want it to be 
explainable, transparent. And rather than, you know, the, the automation plays an important role, but we say, hey, there's a human in the loop, you know, that helps to verify and validate the, the insights that are produced and make sure that those fit back into those uh, re-engineered business processes. And then, you know, a couple other um, areas that we really see, you know, we talked about uh, the automation and how important it is to do that, um, but also do it, you know, in partnership with a human, human in the loop as we're dealing with this X amount of petabytes of data that we're we're all dealing with. Um, trust is the second piece, you know, not just the transparency of, of algorithms and explainability, um, but making sure that we have, you know, trust and AI ethics. One area that we've been invested in is what we are calling our AI fact sheets. And think of these as sort of, you know, nutrition labels on food packaging or information sheets on appliances. Um, and these help to provide information about a product's important characteristics, you know, maybe standardizing or publicizing that so that you can build you know trust in in the insights that are coming so th that's been one area and then finally the, the last piece I would say has been you know natural language processing and being able to query data sets in natural language you know add that textual data to your analytics and that advanced NLP so those are you know a few of the areas we've really been investing in and I see you know a lot of our clients um, really focused on moving forward. So is is this more for like data scientists? Is, is that is that who you have conversations with primarily like data scientists? I know you mentioned CIOs and, you know, C-suite executives, but is, is it also like data scientists, data engineers more so? It, it is. I would say I would say both. So even um, those organizations I'm seeing that have successfully set up their data ops practice, it often uh, starts with establishing or growing some sort of data function, you know, and some will have data office, um, others will perhaps uh, call it a, a different name or function. They absolutely have, you know, purview and, and, and scope of responsibility for their data engineers, their data scientists. In our particular case, we also invested in a smaller function. Uh, around deep learning. And so, you know, what we found is there are very few practitioners that really understand deep learning for the enterprise. And so investing in those capabilities and then uh, pulling that into to some of our AI products. Um, so yeah, I do spend spend time, a lot of time with our, our, our scientists and engineers. And ultimately, I want anyone in the company, regardless of their role, whether they're a data steward or an analyst up through a C-level, you know, executive leader, able to say that they're interacting with our platform, they're seeing value, they have access to new insights um, across, you know, all of our end-to-end -end enterprise processes. Yeah, and, and I would say it's actually wise to at least learn some information about uh, what data scientists and, and data engineers and, you know, just those professions alone, because I think um, th there was a study, LinkedIn did a study in 2019 and one of the top professions is a data scientist so it's definitely a, a hot career in the market right now and I, I know you have to have some some really nice you know stem skills science technology engineering and math uh, in order to go down that path and I, I even thought about you know going back you know as far as a master's program is concerned but I really was thinking like wow you know would I struggle you know, with with some of the 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 classes just to, you know, learn some of the skill sets that a, a data scientist or a data engineer would actually need. Um, so I, I think it's actually value valuable to have. And I guess moving on more around, you know, digital transformation, 
Uh, what's your definition of digital transformation and how do you view the data protection industry uh, from the lens of digital transformation in 2021? Yeah, I, and I want to answer that digital transformation question. That's a good one. One comment on your skills skills piece, you know, this blueprint that I mentioned um, that, that we've been working on, uh, we look at, you know, four areas. So it's the data work. I think we touched on that, uh, that piece of it. You know, there's the technology choices and trade-offs. I think uh, recognition that many of us are operating, you know, some of the Gartner analyst reports are saying 10 plus clouds, you know, that's going to continue to grow. So we're in this hybrid multi-cloud environment, you know, within our companies. Um, and so, so deploying, you know, uh, platform and use cases in that environment. Environment. Then there's the business process, you know, and as we uh, move to digital transformation, making sure that the um, business processes keep up. And then the last piece, and I think the most important piece, is the organizational change and culture change. And we spend a lot of time, I think, m- you know, many companies do on the skills and talent. And we found that, to your point on, could I become a data scientist or, you know, is this inclusive of a broader group that perhaps has a, a really interesting background and varied background? We see, for example, software uh, developers, architects, you know, maybe they've done something, database managers, and they've really found uh, opportunities to um, take some some new courses and, and um, you know, play with some use cases and use that to, to expand their scope of responsibilities and move into those data science career, you know, paths and a lot of great certification opportunities with some external, you know, curriculum providers, Coursera and others. So I always encourage, you know, myself included, <laughs> I always encourage my teams and my, you know, clients as we're partnering together um, to seek those opportunities out because, you know, now more than ever that coursework and certification, you know, the badging that you can um, make visible to your colleagues on LinkedIn is, is, is uh, you know, there's some fantastic opportunities out there. So um, wanted to mention that. And uh, you mentioned the, the digital transformation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think data and digital transformation are so tightly coupled. And I've seen some organizations leap ahead to try to drive their digital transformation, and they haven't invested in the pillars of data work yet. And unfortunately, that may set you up for failure. Because, you know, as you're building out your lake, if you're not um, bringing in data that's curated with the right governance policies, the quality, um, it can be, you know, it can be hard to be effective. So I really see a tight link there. Um, And companies that, you know, focus on the data work and getting that um, function set up, the platform use cases, they're then able to accelerate their digital transformation, you know, which is really adoption of digital technology to transform their services, their products, their businesses, and do it with, you know, an eye toward that new hybrid multi-cloud environment that we're all living in. So I see those really uh, tightly coupled. And from a data protection perspective, you know, right at the center of what we do, because, you know, your customers, regardless of what industry you're in and what, uh, you know, clients or customers you, you serve, they're concern now more than ever what type of information they're giving, how companies are going to treat that data, you know, data breach concerns, all of that. So I see those really tightly linked. Okay. Yeah. You, you mentioned data lake and, you know, it's always been one of those conversations, I guess, for backup engineers, like a data lake. So that means that you have just a ton of data sitting there stagnant that you're not using. But 
I'm, I'm sure you, you have an entirely different definition about that. And that's my old view of it. I know that a data lake is now, uh, it's, it's more of a, a way to tap into that data to gain the insight and to kind of use that to strategically catapult your business forward. But I've, I've also heard of another term called dark data. And I'm sure you've heard of it, right? Yes. <laughs> so so uh, around dark data, what, what are some of the ways or methods that I guess companies can tap into more of their dark data to gain insights and, and make them actionable to, to push their businesses forward? Yeah, absolutely. That that term, um, dark data, is 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 so prevalent and rightly so. And you're right. As we move from uh, perhaps creating data lakes with you know the ungoverned, poor quality data, um, and moving toward you know what we've done internally and what we've seen, I've seen a lot of our, our clients do is building out those platforms that get that governance right. Um, we're able to identify you know a lot of that dark data. I'll give you one example. I'm the uh, business sponsor for a capability we call automated metadata generation. And essentially, when we did a poll internally of where we had the most inefficiency within the organization, um, an area that came up was the creation of business metadata. So, you know, the data about the data in your lake. We had stewards that were spending, you know, a lot of time uh, manually labeling and tagging that data, prone to error, prone to rework. And so we found that we had an opportunity to build out, making use of our deep learning models, build out a capability that would automate that business metadata. And in doing so, identifying a lot of that dark data and then validating and improving the data quality of it as well. So, for, for us as sort of a, you know, a large enterprise that had a lot of data that we started to pull in, we were able to reduce that cycle time by about 90. Now we're at close to 95%. We delivered about 27 million in productivity savings and also improved our quality with the regulatory and governance checks. And we were able to then support our stewards in doing that higher value work. And so I think that's one example of a, a capability that, you know, if you can start to automate that and you're able to classify, you know, a lot of data, terabytes of data, make it easily discoverable while also providing that stewardship lineage, uh, you know, the trust that we were talking about earlier, the impact analysis to assure it's, it's trustworthy, you can really get at a lot of those um, issues and challenges around, you know, dark data and poor data uh, quality and, and insights you may be missing out on. Right. Okay. Yeah, great. And also, Caitlin, in, in true gumbo fashion, I like to jump around a lot, so you, you never know which angle I'm going to come from. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm back to security now because we, we're talking a lot about data and utilizing data, storing data and, you know, taking insights from data and tapping into artificial intelligence to give us, you know, more details and information. So you mentioned, uh, I think, security. And I'm curious if if ransomware is an issue I guess from your perspective, do you deal with with ransomware at all? I guess in your in your role, and is that a thing? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got to have an eye toward um, all aspects of, of data security. You know, I, I mentioned the governance piece of what we do. That was, you know, first and foremost, the governance policies as we built this platform out, inclusive of security. And so whether it's ransomware or other, you know, malicious attacks of all the forms that they take, there's a couple of ways we look at it. One is education and training. So, I, I you know, we do a lot of training 
working internally on identifying that and trying to be proactive and get ahead of it. And that's mandatory training for all of our, you know, employees worldwide. And as, as it, as it is, I think for many organizations. So we look at it from an education and training piece. We also have, you know, a number of, of services that are built on um, capabilities we've developed ourselves in that space and are using. And, you know, we do a lot in the uh, security space and it continues to be, you know, we have, for example, in our, our Guardian, you know, part of the business, you know, we have a set of security services that looks at that and um, it's just continued to grow in importance for us in, in, in recent years. Okay, great. So it does affect it. And, and I'm not sure if that was a silly question, but I, I just wanted to to at least lay that question out there, because from a data protection, backup and recovery engineer from that perspective, ransomware is like the number one thing that's actually starting to, it's getting worse. And I, I think I just heard something about uh, cyber attackers and uh, guys who are implementing ransomware are starting to cold call people to say, hey, I've encrypted your data. You know, you need to pay me X number of Bitcoin. So they, so it's actually gotten a little worse now where they actually have your phone number and they call call the individual up and um, just say, hey, you know, pay up or your data's gone. To that point, um, w- one thing that got me thinking about it differently, a few years ago, I participated in um, a live simulation that we do with our clients to simulate a cybersecurity attack of a variety of different types of attacks, you know, and we get everyone in the room from an organization from you know everyone from the front desk up through the C level and a variety of different roles, and we simulate if something were to occur, and you know we can model different you know breaches of different types and some that are, are are targeted, some that are more extensive, and it's incredible to see the policies and processes in action and see what that communication looks like, response areas for improvement. So that got me thinking about it in a in a different way, really simulating those in a in a re, you know real time like fashion and i've seen i agree with you i've seen more and more of that um uh, of that growing importance yeah it's actually smart to to see that being simulated and i guess putting everyone in the mindset to make sure that they have a plan and know exactly what to do because time is of the essence you know when that happens uh, that you're not scrambling and you don't have a plan you don't have things in place that you could actually quickly recover from it yeah i, I really love that approach um a simulation now, as far as the pandemic, you know, we've been in it for quite some time now. As far as digital transformation is concerned, do you think the pandemic has hindered digital transformation or accelerated it and, and why? I saw some recent research that suggested, you know, it's accelerated as much as five years in the 10 months that we've now experienced, you know, this pandemic work, um, that, that external client series I mentioned earlier, we had a speaker from Verizon, you know, telco saying uh, Mother's Day used to be the busiest day on the network, you know, and then pandemic hit and was every day was Mother's Day in terms of network usage. And so scaling up the teams to do, you know, to respond to that, I thought that was a really interesting example. Um, one one use case that, that that I've seen that I'm really passionate about, we have a supply chain solution. Uh, we call it our operations risk insights. And what that does is, you know, if there is a, a global weather 
disaster, a natural disaster, hurricane, typhoon, earthquake. Um, it looks at and mitigates impact to our supply chain. So we that was developed by you know a small team um, internally, really to look at the um, opportunity to to get ahead of those uh, weather disasters. And we had taken a data ops approach, so we had employed those processes around getting the data curated, getting the pipelines in place. So when the pandemic hit, we were able to overlay the COVID data and include things like uh, the SVI, Social Vulnerability Index, and, and, and partner with some of our you know, nonprofit organizations to really identify those most in need of assistance. Um, and I, I think it's a, a testament or an example of, you know, we had that data ops in play. We had the pipeline, the curated, uh, you know, high quality data. So we overlaid that with pandemic data. Um, we're able to, uh, you know, help our nonprofit partners and then also some of our, our clients with, you know, large supply chains. Um, and so I, I've seen this, you know, just continue to accelerate the move toward both data and digital transformation. And I think now, uh, if we if we survive this spike and if if some of the vaccines that are starting to roll out hopefully start to get administered, I think it's going to be about how do we return to work safely. And whether you're at a small organization or large, you know, you're first and foremost looking at the health and well being of your employees, and um, and then of course you know your clients, your suppliers, and your extended ecosystem. And so we've really spent a lot of time um, using that same pandemic you know, use case where we have that COVID data and can pinpoint hotspots um, and spread and all of the metrics uh, with an eye toward return to work and how we can do that um, successfully. So I think that's going to be, you know, the next phase uh, building on some of that, you know, same data and approaches. Okay. Well, I I really enjoyed the conversation. We are kind of closing in on the time now. I have time for one more question here, and this is the closing gumbo question, Caitlin. All right. Okay. So the question is, what advice would you give to a backup or storage administrator that's out of a job right now due to the pandemic? Yeah, I think so many are, you know, either out of a job or underemployed. Uh, you look at some of the statistics, you know, that, that we're all impacted by and businesses are really struggling to keep these positions. So a couple of pieces of advice is, is one, I wouldn't hesitate to reach out to networks, you know, to your professional networks. I've seen a, a number of folks on LinkedIn posting that, you know, if we've worked together in the past, reach out to me, let me see who in my network I can connect you with. And two, I've seen a lot of folks, you know, if, if, if they're able to, to do it, use this as an opportunity to take their existing skill set, uh, package that up and, and put that forward in, in compelling nature and also take advantage of some of these, you know, training and certification opportunities to perhaps, you know, if you've got an expertise as a storage administrator, you understand how backup and recovery works, you know, that could easily be parlayed into a data officer uh, type role. You know, where you're working in a data office, you're understanding how to pull in data, how to ensure that it has the right security, encryption, governance, you know, protocols. And I, I think that leap to perhaps reinvent is really possible now more than ever. And I know that's tough to do when we're all facing, you know, pandemic and just 
extreme financial environment, but uh, the ability to, to take those opportunities and expand some of those skill sets along with the certification and, and, and um, uh, you know, badging opportunities. I think uh, that th- those are a couple of pieces of advice uh, th- that I would have. Okay, great. So you, you've heard that uh, from, from Caitlin, ladies and gentlemen, that, you know, if you're a backup and storage administrator, you want to get into the chief data office side of the house, it's possible. Up-level your skills, you know, go out and get some extra training, tap into your LinkedIn network, et cetera. So, you know, I, I know my, my brain is actually, and my wheels are spinning in my head as well, because I, I've, I've been thinking about, okay, how do I take myself to the next level, you know, with 20 years of backup and recovery experience, and now I'm on the IT automation side. So I'm just now scratching the surface on DevOps and CICD and you know, all of those different, you know, types of things right now. So I I have quite a bit of learning to do from that perspective. So I really enjoyed the conversation, Caitlin, and uh, it was a pleasure having you on Data Protection Gumbo. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it as well and um, look forward to feedback. And as always, I'm on LinkedIn and love to be in touch with with folks for additional uh, questions or follow up and love to hear best practices and what others are doing as well. So thanks so much for the opportunity. Caitlin, is there a way that the Gumbo listeners can reach out to you on social media? Absolutely. So um, I'm on LinkedIn, very active. You know, please ping me there. Also on Twitter at uh, Kate Halfordy. So C. A-I-T, and then last name. Always, always love to connect and engage. All right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, Have a fantastic week.